Nevada journalist George Knapp's latest book, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, proclaims to be the inside story of a $20 million government program investigating UFOs and their health effects on the government agents who are unfortunate enough to witness them. A story of bureaucracy, the paranormal, and betrayal. All this and more in today's Spectral Skull Session. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Welcome back. I am your host, Dane, and today's program is a Review of the book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, colon, an insider's account of the government's secret UFO program by Tom Kelleher, James Lekatsky, and George Knapp, published in 2021. It is number 19 on Amazon.com's list of top UFO books, and it's number 20 in the Unexplained Mysteries category as of September 29th, 2022. The book purports to be a partially censored report from some of the military intelligence agents who worked on a program to investigate UFOs from 2008 to 2010. This program focused on UFO hotspots, places around the United States where UFOs are seen more frequently. One of those hotspots, and a place that seems to have inspired this research program, was the infamous Skinwalker Ranch in the Utenaw Basin in Utah. Skinwalker Ranch is a place known for high strangeness, orbs, UFOs, cryptids, poltergeists, and other haunting phenomena. And this research program was not disappointed, but encountered the same kinds of high strangeness that have been reported Skinwalker over the years. However, they found this phenomena over a geographically dispersed area inside the United States. Most of the work that they did remains classified, and the details are impossible to confirm. But the authors of this book are three highly credentialed individuals attesting to the reality of something that isn't just flying saucers. It's far beyond that. It is absolute weirdness. To give a little background before I begin, the three people who are the authors of this book, one of them, George Knapp. Now, he's a longtime reporter for Channel 8 in Las Vegas, Nevada. He's won a number of journalism awards. Most of his work is outside the world of UFOlogy, although he is probably one of the biggest names in the UFO world. There are volumes of UFO hot issues that George Knapp is personally responsible for bringing to the attention of the American public. He originally broke the news about Skinwalker Ranch back in the 90s in 1996 with a series of articles that he published in the Utah and Nevada press there. He also got people interested in Area 51 
and the mysterious Area 51 whistleblower, alleged whistleblower, known as Bob Lazar. Another co-author on this book is Tom Kelleher. He's a microbiologist from Ireland who worked on the Skinwalker Ranch investigation in the early days before it was a government-funded project. And James Lekatsky, who is an active DIA—sorry, now he's retired DIA agent. He was an active DIA agent at the time that the uh, book, the things in the book took place. Lekatsky has advanced degrees in nuclear engineering and worked for the DIA as an intelligence agent. He was head of the very program that this book is about. And so, in one sense, the story begins with Skinwalker Ranch. This is a place, as I said, in Utah, known to be a UFO hotspot, at least going back into the 1970s. It's called Skinwalker Ranch because the indigenous people of Utah, they have stories about evil witches called skinwalkers and maintain the ranches on an area controlled by skinwalkers. So the background begins with this haunted ranch, and it's no ordinary haunted ranch. This haunted ranch was purchased by an aerospace tycoon, Robert Bigelow, in 1996. This is shortly after the uh, journalist George Knapp brought to the American people's attention that the ranch was haunted. So Bigelow, this uh, tycoon, he had people combing over the ranch and trying to figure out why it is so spooky, I think about 10 years before they got the government program up and running. So he's been investigating the ranch And um, as a result of investigating the ranch, George Knapp wrote a whole book uh, that is a sort of precursor to this book called The Hunt for the Skinwalker. That book found its way into the hands of James Lekatsky. And uh, Lekatsky, as I said, a government agent, read the book apparently while he was in Iraq on a mission. He became very interested. So he got in contact with Robert Bigelow and he made arrangements to go down and see Skinwalker Ranch not in any official capacity, but just to visit it and check it out for himself. That was in 2007. While he's there at Skinwalker Ranch, he had a life-changing paranormal experience. He was talking to Robert Bigelow, the owner, in the headquarters, in the ranch headquarters, which is an old, um, it's a home that the, the original owners of the ranch built, and they sold it to another family. And when that family moved out, they sold Robert Bigelow, so now he uses it as a headquarters for the uh, investigation of the ranch. According to Lekatsky, um, while Bigelow was talking to him during this first hour on the ranch, during their conversation, Lekatsky could see over Bigelow's shoulder into the next room. As Bigelow talked, a complex mechanical device materialized in that next room. Lekatsky says it was yellow and appeared to be Uh, made of metallic tubing. 30 seconds after materializing, the object disappeared. And Lekatsky says that the best way of understanding what he saw is by reference to the image on the cover of an old album by Mike Oldfeld called Tubular Bells. And that album, I looked it up, it depicts what appears to be a musical instrument. It looks like the triangle, if you know the triangle instrument. Um, It looks like maybe an oversized version without a handle made from a single, large, hollow tube. Nobody else saw the device except Lekatsky. Uh, Lekatsky, deeply moved by this experience, says he's never had anything like that happen to him before. And uh, it should be noted that this is not some random UFO nut. 
or even a minor guy inside the U.S. government. Um, he is a intelli- or was an intelligence officer for the DIA's Defense Warning Office. He had been responsible for writing an annual report for the Missile Defense Agency and uh, had been working for the DIA since 1998. I think I already mentioned, I, had, I did some side research outside of the book, and I found some records indicating that he has advanced degrees, multiple advanced degrees in nuclear engineering, and has a research specialty in nuclear fusion. So again, he doesn't seem like a nut, but a very high-functioning person. Lukatsky was so impressed with the vanishing tubes of Skinwalker Ranch, which again, only he saw, and only he has ever reported. And this experience led him to believe that the U.S. intelligence community needed to study what was happening at Skinwalker Ranch in an official capacity. Here the story gets a little murky. The book indicates that Lukatsky and the ranch owner Bigelow, they were able to contact Nevada Senator Harry Reid. Uh, Now Bigelow and Reid are old friends. They both have a established interest in UFOs. So Bigelow apparently was able to call up Reid and basically say, I have a G-man, a government agent, who wants to get serious about my haunted ranch, now it's time for us to do something for real. And it's going to have to do with UFOs. So they drew up legislation, putting aside $20 million for a Pentagon program to investigate. The program proposal described it as the Advanced Aerospace Weapons Application Program, AWSAP. And um, you can say it like AWSNAP, like AWSNAP, we're getting money to look into UFOs. The proposal makes no mention of Skinwalker Ranch or UFOs, but rather asks for a contractor, a defense contractor, to help them, the government, uh, look at advanced aerospace propulsion and weapons technology that might be coming down the pipeline either by us or by our enemies over the next 30 years. The proposal was approved, and this meant that the DIA needed to find a contractor to implement the program. Robert Bigelow stepped in. He put in the only bid, and in his bid, he proposed that the research be conducted at his stately ranch in Utah, Skinwalker Ranch. That's how he got the money. So the way this program worked, Bigelow, his pre-existing operations on the ranch, remember he's a multimillionaire and he's been putting money into um, exploring and studying this ranch for years now. Uh, His pre-existing operations get rolled into a new program contracting company he called Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. Their acronym is BASS. Um, So they're the military contractor that execute the $20 million contract. Now, on the government side, the name remained AUSAP. So AUSAP is the name for the government program inside the DIA. BASS is the name for the military contractor that gets the money to do Work. So the operations at Skinwalker Ranch were stepped up. Uh, the most interesting findings came not from any of the soil samples or radiation measurement devices that were deployed on the ranch, but from the personal experiences of defense specialists who were brought in from the government, flown out from the East Coast to visit the site. And that's where things become extremely weird. Five different agents from the DIA visited the site wandering the grounds at night with night vision goggles. They had a variety of unsettling experiences, locating mysterious cold spots where the temperature would drop 20 degrees for no reason, finding dead zones where their night vision goggles would register utter blackness, and a group of them even saw a large pig-like creature with the tail of a beaver 
and spines on its back like a dinosaur, the so-called dino beaver. Um, At least one of these seasoned intelligence analysts, a veteran of multiple tours in Russia and Afghanistan, were told she was so upset by her experiences with the dino beaver that she insisted on sleeping with the lights on and having a guard watch over her from the next room. I probably would have asked to leave the ranch. That's what I would have said if I was that upset. Um, The scariest things, though, happened after these agents left the ranch. After they returned home to their lives and their families, they reported that something had followed them home. That female DIA agent I just mentioned, who had to sleep with the lights on, her personal life went downhill fast. Soon after, she would be awakened in the middle of the night by her housemate screaming. He complained, or I'm sorry, I don't know if it was a he or a she. A housemate complained about a black shadowy figure in their room. Her daughter had her bedroom ransacked. Bottles of wine were thrown across the house by an unseen force. Soon the housemate moved out, and the mysterious situation was never resolved. Other DIA agents had even worse experiences. Another one who had visited the ranch multiple times, he goes by the pseudonym Axelrod in the book, he went home to find his house was now thoroughly haunted. His teenage children began being visited by what they described as dogmen, who would appear in the backyard. Then the entire family began to regularly see blue, red, yellow, and white orbs passing through the house and through their property. Shadow people began appearing in the bedrooms of his children. Mysterious sounds would come from the kitchen at all hours. These hauntings apparently continued for years. Much of the book focuses on the after effects of visiting Skinwalker Ranch. They're saying that of the five agents, all of them had some kind of after effect which they dubbed the hitchhiker effect. Um, The book claims it's a well-documented feature of UFO encounters. And the book says that like Kenneth Arnold, for example, one of the first Americans to make a well-publicized UFO report, he was an aviator who says he saw something that looked like skipping discs near Mount Rainier in, uh, I think it's Washington, Mount Rainier in Washington. Um, Now they say in this book, he had a poltergeist problem start up in his home shortly after he made that first UFO sighting. And these things, they weren't just following the agents back to their homes. They were getting all over the neighborhoods. So the DIA agents who went to Skinwalker Ranch would report that even though they and their family had decided to keep quiet about the things that were happening to them, their neighbors would come to them and spontaneously relate stories of shadowy figures appearing in their homes and blue orbs flying around outside their house, indicating that whatever had followed these agents home off the ranch perhaps was staking out an entire geographical area. And it gets worse, worse than being followed home by blue orbs. In one of the most upsetting stories, a DIA agent's son woke up one morning complaining he'd been kept awake all night by these orbs. They'd been buzzing around the room, Coming close to him, he hid underneath the blankets to try to get away. And then, over the course of the day, he developed angry red welts on his skin and flu-like symptoms. According to the book, several people involved in the research at Skinwalker Ranch developed long-term health problems. And again, often these are not people who actually visited the ranch. These are just the family of people who visited the ranch. In one case, a DIA agent returned home to his family in Maryland... The next day, took his wife and their dog for a leisurely stroll around the neighborhood. There, they were accosted by one of these blue orbs. 
no more than six foot off the ground, a bright blue, softball-sized, completely silent orb passed between him and his wife, grazing her shoulder. The next day, the man's wife reported flu-like symptoms. She started missing work. She developed chronic fatigue and joint pain, eventually being diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, autoimmune condition. The uh, DIA agent insists his wife's new health problem was the result of her encounter with that blue orb. The authors say that they would love to give us more information, but they're constrained by HIPAA from sharing all the details. But they do tell us a high number of people had these sorts of experiences. So, another one didn't involve Skinwalker Ranch. In another case, they interviewed a man who had been driving through uh, rural Oregon. He was taking his daughter to visit a relative, and he had plans to attend a biotechnology conference in the area that weekend. As they're driving, the daughter says she saw orbs dancing in the Oregon wilderness. The orbs reacted as if they noticed that she was noticing them, and then they flew towards, and to their horror, they flew into the car. They passed right through her father. He's the biotechnologist. They passed out the left side of his face. The man shrugged off the experience, dropped his daughter off with his relative, and then went to attend a conference. But over the course of the next few days, his hearing and vision on the left side of his face declined rapidly. His hair began falling out. His energy levels declined to the point of disability. Two years later, he was diagnosed with ductal carcinoma in situ and ultimately had cancer removed from a lymph node in his chest. He is now recovering, but still complains of mysterious pain and fatigue. So one of the tentative conclusions the book draws is that these orbs are not benign. You don't want to have a close encounter with an orb, at least not these blue orbs. The original ranchers at Skinwalker, uh, who got everyone's attention back in the late 90s, these are the Gorman family, they also reported these orbs, and they called them the Blue Meanies because they believed the terrifying orbs had incinerated some of their pet dogs. Apparently the dogs chased the orbs, uh, and then when the dogs went out of sight, they heard a yelping sound. Later, they searched for the dogs, never found them, but they did find a kind of uh, like sticky, ashy spot in the ground where they believe the dogs were incinerated. You can roll your eyes, but if you take any of this seriously, you can understand why it would make sense for military intelligence to be investigating this phenomenon. It does seem to be a threat to the health and safety of human beings. So one of the ways the book tries to make sense of these orbs is by suggesting that they can be understood through an infectious agent model. They say, we're the first to suggest that some of these paranormal phenomena can be understood as infectious-like agents, or, as they alternatively suggest, by using a social contagion model. Social contagions can include things like suicide. So when one person commits suicide, often other people, teenagers especially, get the idea and they try it too. So that's a kind of contagion that doesn't involve a physical pathogen, thus a social contagion. So the book isn't necessarily committing to the view that the orbs are like infectious pathogens. Um, it might be something more like having a neighbor who sees orbs makes you more likely to see orbs. It could be potentially psychosomatic, although the people writing this book uh, definitely take these things seriously as literally existing in some sense. Um, you might think it can't get any scarier than blue orbs that follow you, ho you home to attack your family, 
And so I actually, I want to start winding down the book review there. Um, it doesn't get scarier than that. There's a frustrating lack of detail about the orbs and their effects. I'd like to have seen maps of the neighborhoods where the orbs follow people home, exactly what neighbors are seeing orbs or what neighbors are seeing ghostly figures. Did they do a survey of the neighborhood when the orbs pass through people? Did the, um, did the investigators ever consider doing biopsies and comparing orb-contacted tissue with orb-free tissue from the same person? Um, and another thing, I'll come back to this again. Once they started to suspect the orbs were attacking DIA agents, did they consider putting a stop to the Skinwalker Ranch research? And why not? True, Skinwalker Ranch wasn't the only place where people were encountering orbs. They document numerous other places, and they seem to imply that there's even more that didn't make it into the book. But they also seem to suggest that Skinwalker Ranch was a particularly nasty place for a hitchhiker effect. And since it's manifesting in this particularly horrifying way, I would have thought it would have been a bigger concern with respect to the health and safety of the investigators, the people they call in to be junior associates in the research project. People just come to visit one night and then leave to have an orb come and fry their wife, that kind of thing. That's horrifying. You know, that's the peak of the book. And I think that's got to be the focus. And when everybody talks about this and I see the reviews, the interviews that have been done with the authors in the, in the media, you know, they focus on the, what they call the hitchhiker effect, the orbs and the uh, health effects that happen to people. But, um, I thought the book needed to go in a lot more detail because they spent $20 million on this research. Well, there is a lot more that they did. They didn't just look for orbs and send DIA agents to scare themselves silly by wandering around a haunted ranch at night. Some of the other things they did, reporter George Knapp, who had previously visited Russia during the 90s and been given what he was told was a master document detailing the Soviet UFO research program, he finally handed that document over to the government. They had it translated into English. And they validated and verified what they could. They also built a database and coded up thousands of famous UFO sightings, including all previously publicly available records of UFO encounters by the U.S. government, by anyone in the military. So they took all the Blue Book, Project Blue Book and uh, Condon Report type stuff. Maelstrom incident you may have heard of if you've listened to this show. An incident where UFOs shut down uh, a nuclear missile silo. They put all that stuff, coded it up into a database. They said they had to employ multiple agents to work full time at the coding, putting thousands of reports into the base. And they made it amenable to data analytics so future researchers can apply advanced statistical tools towards the search for patterns. And they didn't just go to Skinwalker Ranch. They visited UFO hotspots around the country, including a place right in my backyard, the Marley Woods in Missouri. Did not know about the Marley Woods until I read this book. And they did a lot of medical work, talking to people, doing interviews, and putting people through different kinds of diagnostic tests. Although here, I noticed the book was sometimes inconsistent. Let me give you one example. A man in Georgia, he saw a giant black triangle in the sky at night, made the mistake of shining a flashlight at one of these things. It shined a flashlight right back at him, burning his skin. Then the next day, again, like with the orbs, he developed flu-like symptoms and over the course of the next few months, developed lumps all over his body. 
Researchers who examined him diagnosed him as having, quote, primary malignancy secondary to ionizing radiation injury. But then later, the book says a physician from their research team examined the same man and decided his injury was from non-ionizing radiation. They don't explain the discrepancy there. You know, ionizing radiation is like high energy photons, like like gamma rays or x-rays. They will mess up your DNA. Non-ionizing radiation, stuff like infrared light, heat, you sit in front of a campfire, that's, um, you know, you can get a lot of energy, you know, put into your body from a fire, right? Uh, you can burn yourself, but that kind of energy, the individual photons are not high strung enough that they can kick electrons out of your molecules. And so they don't deform your DNA and alter your genes and such and thus give you cancer. That's only ionizing radiation. Sounds like this guy had cancer because all these uh, tumors appearing all over his body. He ended up having them removed, but... um. I don't know. The book is inconsistent. It says at one point it's ionizing, then it's not ionizing. You know, I think that internal consistency, that the story should be consistent with itself, kind of a minimum demand um, for a credible antidote. And so that really detracts from the book for me, because they they don't give you the amount of time and space that you'd like to have for the medical issues. And then they do give you these bits of detail, but they don't they're not consistent. So. You know, that's a blow against the book in my mind. Now, who should read this book? If you find these stories I described scary, there's more. And this book genuinely scared me. Like, I felt like I don't really want to go out in the woods and risk running into any of these orbs anytime soon. I also think it's a great book to read for getting some details about how a classified project works. So you want to know about the legal and political dimensions of it. They give an incredible amount of detail about these government programs, talking us through how they're structured, process of getting the funding, what went right, what went wrong, how some people sabotaged Harry Reid's attempt to keep the program secret. And um, that's worth reading if you want to get a sense of how complex and contrived government bureaucracies in the United States are. Or you want to write your own hyper-realistic version of The X-Files, like in novelized form. I would read this book. That's another deep, deep research. But as someone who is searching for evidence to help make sense of the paranormal and the UFO phenomena, you know, that's not really what I want to hear about. I want to know way more about what's the physical evidence for the reality of these orbs. I'm not the first person to express frustration with this book over this issue. Uh, The New York Post's basement office is a really good UFO show on YouTube. They are killing it at the New York Post in a variety of ways, but especially on the topic of UFOs. And they say exactly what I'm saying, like, where's the evidence, you know? And one thing I can say, though, after having listened to their critique and then read the book, um, you know, they do say in the book, one of our authors is under active security clearance. We have to run this book by a government agency. The government agency took a lot of information out. Also, we were told that we had to be careful about HIPAA. We can't go into too much medical detail because of patient privacy. So, um, you know, that's frustrating, but I think it is what it is because the book is written by a well-reputed journalist, two people working for the government, one of whom was a pretty highly ranked military, military intelligence scientist. This is like very high quality antidote. As far as antidotes go, it's the best. And it all gave me the impression 
Now, at least somebody has taken UFO investigations to the next level. Unfortunately, as I alluded to earlier, um, Harry Reid was unable to keep the funding for the program. It was supposed to go on for years, but it only made, made it for two years. When the Pentagon brass found out the details of this program, remember the original program proposal made no mention of UFOs or orbs or anything paranormal. So when they found out what was really going on, the Pentagon flipped and shut the program down. Now, when Colm Kelleher and George Knapp talk about this book and the work they did uh, and give interviews, one of the things they often say is, you know, it's fear. Fear is one of the things in the Pentagon that uh, turns people away from wanting to research this stuff. And specifically, they say it's often religious fear. They think a kind of fundamentalist belief that anything paranormal is demonic motivates people at high levels of the Pentagon to shut down attempts to examine the issue scientifically. But I almost thought that this book, although it's an attempt to do the science of the skinwalker, right, to take a paranormal phenomenon and start to look at it in terms of epidemiology and to look for the physiological effects, when you think about it as a narrative, um, this is one of the most horrifying paranormal stories I have ever read in my life. Um, the orbs that follow you home and fry your family, uh, the black figures that appear in your children's bedroom, um, it almost says to me that these guys, in such a rush to do their science and to create a new science of the paranormal, maybe they're not spending enough time thinking about the folk side of it, whether it's the indigenous people of Utah who say, you know, this is a land controlled by the skinwalker and you should stay off it, and that's the end of the story, or whether it's fundamentalist Christians in the Pentagon who say it's demonic and it's not the purview of the U.S. military, right? We deal with physical threats. We don't deal with supernatural ones. Um, maybe there's some sense to that. And these guys have gone somewhere. Maybe that we're not ready to go. They could have taken more precautions. Apparently, a lot of people got hurt doing this research. And all we have to show for it is this book. Definitely read it. Check it out. But uh, watch out for those orbs. Try to avoid them. Until next time, I have been Dane. Stay strange and stay sane.